I hope it's been a great start to the new year. We've been keeping pretty busy at TMP. As you may have heard, January is National Mentoring Month, and we've been celebrating all month long. As a part of this celebration, we've got a special episode of Mentor Chat for you. We had the pleasure of sitting down with Greg Baer, director of the Grable Foundation and founder of Remake Learning, to talk about strategies for creating atmospheres of learning through everyday mentoring. In this episode, Greg touches on Remake Learning Days, defines learning sciences, and shares a pretty cool passion that sparked joy for him during the pandemic, and also inspired some young people in his neighborhood. TMP has worked closely with Greg and Remake Learning for years now, focusing on how we center relationships in education and how to make mentoring opportunities accessible for young people in learning environments and beyond. Join us for this special National Mentoring Month conversation and reflect on the ways that you are helping support the next generation of leaders and changemakers. And don't forget to stay on after the conversation for a quick stay inspired. Also, stay tuned to the coming weeks for the official release of Season 3 of Mentor Chat. We'll be having more interesting conversations all about mentoring. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. And now, let's talk to Greg. Great. So hi, everyone. I'm Greg Baer. I'm the executive director of the Grable Foundation. The Grable Foundation is a private charitable foundation serving children and youth their families and our educators throughout Southwestern Pennsylvania. And we have a focus on kids who don't have the same opportunities as their peers because of economic reasons. And our grant making focuses on everything from early learning through those formative years in high school, in and out of school. And so a support for kids and learning, that's the bottom line. I also have the privilege of serving as founder and co-chair for Remake Learning. Remake Learning is a nearly 15-year-old learning network that supports educators and their allies throughout Southwestern Pennsylvania and also Northern West Virginia in advancing what we describe as relevant, engaging, and equitable learning. So we if we think about innovation, if we think about justice in and out of school, early childhood through higher education, and we think about those modern frameworks of STEM and STEAM learning, also personalized learning and computer science education, maker-centered learning, all of these new but complementary frameworks that we've used to support kids and their learning experiences. That in many ways is Remake Learning. I'm also, I should say, um, and I'd be terrible if I didn't say this, the co-author of a new book entitled When You Wonder, You're Learning. And I hope we get a chance to talk about this today. It's really about the blueprints for learning that icon of American children's television, Fred Rogers, left us nearly 50 years ago, or at least began to develop 50 years ago, and how those blueprints for learning are maybe surprisingly and remarkably relevant to our lives here in 2021 and beyond. Awesome. And we definitely will talk more about the book and congratulations on that. So what is your involvement in the mentoring field now or in the past? And what does mentoring mean to you? So in the past, I've been an unofficial mentee. So I think about the teachers, the coaches, the religious leaders and others who in an unofficial way, and maybe it was official to them or not, I don't know, maybe it was silent mentoring, but the people who, who looked out for me and offered me that type of mentoring support from which every young person benefits. I've had the privilege then of being a mentor over um, some number of years to any number of different young people. 
And at this point in my professional career and also my life as a volunteer, I, I, I'm really, I get to be an advocate and ambassador for mentoring and the idea of mentoring. And in my work at the Grable Foundation, a supporter and a funder for mentoring as a critical part of our learning landscape. I also had the privilege of serving for nine years on the board for the Mentoring Partnership, which was um, both an incredibly instructive experience because it's still to this day, I think the best board on which I've ever served and also completely joyful because of the work that the Mentoring Partnership does here in Southwestern Pennsylvania and how that work is a beacon for other mentoring programs uh, and networks across the country. You shared Mentee First. When Ashley and I got together to do the first season of the Mentor Chat podcast, uh, we talked about mentoring and what it means. And, and what we found through those conversations is that because of our individual roles as mentees, that the whole notion of the, these natural organic mentoring relationships were so important. And we, we knew that going in, but it just rose to the surface of our conversations. So the fact that you mentioned mentee first just hits the nail on the head for why organic everyday mentoring relationships, they're so important. And you know, it's interesting um, because maybe there's a little bit of wisdom that comes with a little bit of age, although I don't wanna age myself too quickly. Um, but you, you think back to those experiences when you were maybe more in that mentee role and then the experiences when you're in a mentor role. It's never either I'm all taking or I'm all giving. It's, a, it's always a reciprocal relationship. And I think in a healthy um, and joyful mentoring relationship, there is that wonderful reciprocity of give and take. And there's a genuine caring that flows both ways. And it's easier to see that now than I certainly saw as a younger person. Nor do adults tell you, right? Like I've learned so much, right? They don't reflect back to how important that relationship is to them and how much they receive from being a mentor as well. Yeah, yeah you receive so much being a mentor you and do. learn so much. You learn so much about yourself or you learn a lot about relationships. You inevitably learn a lot about your community. And I think some of the best mentors when they talk about their experience, they're always quick to say, I was present and I loved it, but I gained more than I received. Is there anything that comes to mind that you've learned being a mentor? Yes. So many lessons. I think the core lesson is probably a core lesson to all relationships, and that is deep listening. Because I think often when you're in a mentoring relationship, you're not with a family member, you're not with a friend, and so you're really in a new relationship. And oftentimes that relationship takes you across gender or race or geography, and so it's really incumbent to deeply listen and to understand someone. And so that's hard to do. I by no means will uh, profess to be an expert on it. I think it's a lesson I'm still learning in my own personal relationships, let alone my professional relationships or mentoring or mentoring like relationships. But I do think that's foundational and a critical lesson. You mentioned in, in your intro, you share with the listeners that you recently co-authored a book. So can you share a little bit more about it and the inspiration um, and intention behind it? Yes. And it's the work of Remake Learning that is the, the springboard for this book. So if we think about 15 years of work on the part of educators in our classrooms, our early learning centers, but also our, our youth workers and librarians and others in out-of-school settings, and the work that they've done to create innovative and just learning experiences and opportunities for our young people. When I think back to when that work began in 2006 and 2007, 
very quickly in those earlier years, we were drawn to the story of Fred Rogers. Mm -hmm. Now on one hand, that makes complete sense. We're here in Western Pennsylvania. Fred Rogers is a Western Pennsylvania native and his story is well known among people in our region. And if we think about Fred Rogers, I think all of us think first to that loving, caring individual that we experienced on that other side of what he described as a television visit. For the most part, we think fondly of that as someone who respected us, who gave us a sense of belonging, who created opportunities of wonder and curiosity. But it's also important, I think, to think about Fred Rogers as a disruptor, as someone who took the technology of his day, the newfangled television, noticed that it was attractive to young people and said, how do I take what's, what's attractive to young people and make it constructive and good? And I mentioned that about a Fred Rogers because then when I think about remake learning and I think about the educators and gamers and technologists and others, they were, they were and they are very Fred-like. And so very early on, we started talking about what now we'd call the Fred method, thinking about that deep attention to child development theory and practice and then you tie to it the learning sciences and what is um, technology enhanced and modern about learning. And you have this Fred method that we're seeing employed in libraries and after school programs and schools all across our region. And so when we think about it that way, we can start to see in Fred's work, not just a child development specialist and you know, in some sense an entertainer, but also a very deliberate learning scientist and learning engineer who created an atmosphere for learning that was deeply invested in the child, but was also attentive to curiosity and creativity and collaboration and all of the types of skills that we talk about as we want for our young people today. And so it's in that context then that we describe these blueprints for learning that Fred Rogers created over you know, more than three decades of his broadcasts and really make apparent how, how decades ahead of his time he was in what the learning sciences are now telling us constitutes great learning and what we need to do for our young people. And in the context of doing that, Michelle, we try and then give all sorts of examples of, of places of learning that are in fact employing that Fred method and show how accessible these blueprints are for each of us today and how we can create that atmosphere for learning. That's wonderful. Um, I love the Fred method, like you said, just laying that foundation that still holds true to this day about encouraging curiosity and creativity, that it's it's tried and true. And I think about that in the lens of, of mentoring, it's really meeting young people where they are. And how do we do that by creating um, and expanding possibilities, right, for young people through, through our networks um, and through school and through the environment. Like how do we create these ecosystems to work together? And that tech piece as a platform for learning, it wasn't something that clicked until later. It was like, wow, he really was, right, a pioneer for early childhood education and on a, on a number of facets. Yeah, and it could be the technology, but it could also be the approach or pedagogy. Because, you know, simply stated, that Fred method is whole child plus learning sciences equals Fred method. And that's what we're seeing um, in an extraordinary way in learning sites all around Pittsburgh and beyond. And, and what's core to it, Michelle, ultimately, 
is not the wizardry of modern technology or the curiosities of new pedagogies, but really respecting kids, as you were saying, and meeting them where they are and respecting who they are, respecting their big questions, their mundane questions, making sure they have a sense of belonging, making sure they have a sense of both physical and psychological safety, and knowing that they're loved and capable of loving, as Fred Rogers would say. And if we can create that, that core environment, then, and only then, can we really start to delve into and think about, well, how do we create a curious environment? How do we create um, a creative environment? How do we create a collaborative environment? Those things come when we do the core work brilliantly and really well for kids, which is true too in a mentoring relationship, right? You can't just jump to the, you have to establish that core of the relationship and relationships are what makes things go. You know, to paraphrase Fred Rogers, I mean, he would talk about this atmosphere for learning, right? And when I think about everyday mentoring, everyday mentoring is really an atmosphere for learning. It's, it's putting kids first. And then, you know, whether it's in a singular setting of a one-on-one -on -one relationship, whether it's in the setting of a school building or after school building or a crossing um, guard at a, you know, an intersection, have we as the adults in a place where kids and young people are present, have we created that atmosphere for learning where they know that they're safe, where that they know that they belong, where they know they're going to be respected and protected. Everyday mentoring is in a sense, I think that Fred Rogers sensibility of creating great atmospheres for learning. So thinking, I guess a little bit more broadly about this concept in your work on your book and in, within Remake Learning in every place where kids are, how do we embed the Fred method? Well, it begins by being deliberate. We have to be intentional about what we're doing and why we're doing it and clear about our purpose for learning. So as adults, if we commit to that and putting kids first, then we have to go about the work. And what does the work involve? Well, to me, the work is about community organizing and community outreach and building genuine relationships among and across adults in those settings mm -hmm. so that we really are mindfully working together and mindful about how we treat and support young people. There's a bit of marketing and storytelling to it. Um, and along with the professional development and learning that we can all secure in our own fields, but also just sort of our roles as adults and neighbors and, and caring adults. I mean, we all benefit from attending to our craft whether that's something very personal or it's professional in our lives. And then it's just creating sort of that atmosphere for ongoing support. I'll go back to Remake Learning and in fact, Remake Learning Days. Remake Learning Days is uh, an innovative festival by which organizations, those early learning centers, library schools and others can demonstrate modern learning and how learning is being changed for parents, families and caregivers to understand how that's changing how to support their kids in their care and to begin to demand this type of learning in, in all types of learning settings. There is a deliberate design intention in these communities to host Remake Learning Days and to create an environment whereby organizations step forward. For nine days in April or May, we create this festival of innovative and just learning for young people and most especially for parents, families, and caregivers. Well, in a sense, that's what we need to do to create these environments for everyday mentoring. Right? We need to be deliberate about the design. We need to go about the work of community organizing and the relationship building. 
and understand that that work never ends. And then to add to it the professional development, the professional learning, the marketing and storytelling that supports all of that sensibility. Because ultimately it's about a culture and a mindset to how we want to support young people. The work, um, it's not rocket science, right? You, you just mentioned about honing in on the individual crafts that we have and just being intentional to create spaces and opportunities for, for young people. And it's, it's that intention, right? That like to get up every day and be so intentional to make sure that we're providing opportunities for young people to flourish. That if we are just honing in our own individual crafts and we're being intentional and doing so collectively, right? That that is very impactful. And I think those are some of the things that gets lost in the day-to-day, but is it's this is intentional, deliberate work. I agree. And I want to push too on this idea of rocket science, right? So on one hand, you're absolutely, I agree with you, Michelle, it's not rocket science. And on the other hand, I want to argue it is complete rocket science. <laughs> and I say that because um, it is one, it's hard work. It's day in, day out work of being intentional and deliberate. That's hard to maintain as an individual and as an organization and to maintain that commitment to brilliance and excellence day in, day out. And And this is where I'll draw back in on the learning sciences, right? And by learning sciences, I mean the science of learning and what we're learning about learning itself and what we're learning from places like Carnegie Mellon University and MIT University and the National Academies. We're actually learning so much about learning itself that is complex and complicated. And so to keep up with your craft as an educator, as a mentor, as a a librarian, as a youth worker, it's actually deeply difficult work if in fact we're continuously attentive to what we're learning about the science of learning and finding ways to be deliberate and intentional about implementing it. So on one hand, it is not rocket science because it's about being a great human. And yet we're trying to make sense of all of that learning science in really practical and deliberate ways. And in some ways that's rocket science, it's hard work. I love that you push back on that (laughs) because you're right. Like in just showing up and being a a quote unquote good human, right? It's not rocket science, but to be intentional and deliberate, like there are things we need to do as adults to continue to hone in on our craft, to ensure that we're providing these great opportunities, well-rounded opportunities for young people. And I think about the work of mentoring itself. Think about how much we've learned about what constitutes quality in a mentoring relationship and how that evidence and data over the years has has shaped and we've iterated what great mentoring looks like and the type of um, support and training we provide to mentors, to organizations that recruit mentors. Think too of everyday mentoring, which um, in many ways was a new idea or at least a new approach on uh, on the part of organizations like the Mentoring Partnership and others five, 10 years ago. You know, where will we be five, 10 years from now? And what new ideas will we pursue if we're good and smart will embrace the rocket science that's um, that learning science represents. I kind of like calling it rocket science too, because I think it elevates it. Yeah. In a way, like I oftentimes I think that that type of learning and those relationships, they aren't valued like actual rocket science is. Learning about them and putting effort into them and research into them isn't valued in the same way oftentimes. You know, it's important and it's, um, it is inspiring that Richard Branson went to the edge of space yesterday in Virgin Galactic, right? Like that's amazing, yeah. that's rocket <laughs> science. And yet how much better will the world be? How much better will our communities be? 
if we get the rocket science of learning science and its implementation down, we'll flourish. Thinking about the learning sciences, we think about that in in these different spaces, right? Are there tips and suggestions as individuals, right, in school spaces, in and out of school spaces to continue to hone in on that craft and learning sciences? Like, do you have tips and strategies for our listeners? Yeah, I'll share some very concrete examples because in our book, we try and not only elucidate the learning sciences and make them plain, and also we try and give examples that we've curated from actual life. So one example, uh, I turned to Hedda Sherapin, who's someone who worked with Fred Rogers from the first day of his production in 1968 and is still doing incredible work as an educator. Um, She spoke to walking into a classroom one day and seeing that the teacher had what she called an ASCIT basket. It was a simple wicker basket that was in the front of the classroom. And as kids would ask questions, she would write down the questions and put them in the wicker basket. Now, how she did it was really brilliant. So on one hand, it's important to note that she allowed for an environment that kids ask questions, right? They weren't shy to ask their questions. They didn't feel like, oh, I shouldn't ask this question because we have to do this right now. I mean, she invited a question, whether it was a mundane or on-topic question, or if that question came right from over the left field wall and maybe didn't make sense at the time, but for some reason, that was the question in the kid's head. So she respected that kids had questions. She wasn't quick to answer it. And um, she acknowledged the question by putting it in that basket and further acknowledging it by finding time later to pull it out and said, let's all think about this together. Again, not being the expert, but thinking about it together. That is something that each of us can do in our own homes. We could do in a one-on-one relationship with a mentee. We could do it in our libraries or other um, settings for learning about really creating those contexts that um, young people's big and small questions are respected, valued, and thought about together. I'll give you another example um, of Fred Rogers' work with Margaret McFarland. So Margaret McFarland was one one of the Earth's premier child development psychologists of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, worked right here in Pittsburgh at the University of Pittsburgh, worked with folks like Benjamin Spock and Eric Erickson, who quite frankly get greater uh, recognition, probably because of their gender. So Margaret McFarland worked very closely with Fred Rogers on the scripts, and and she conveyed to him a very Quaker-like sensibility that attitudes are caught, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as adults, we need to be mindful that attitudes are caught. And I'll give you a very perfect example from the early days of the pandemic. I'd gone into my garage. I found my old skateboard. I used to be a skateboarder and I loved it. Like that was one of my passions. So I pulled out my old Madrid skateboard, should have put on a helmet, but didn't, and um, decided I'm just gonna start skateboarding down the street. I mentioned this because you could imagine how getting on that skateboard and starting down the street just brought back all sorts of memories. And just like, I was laughing hysterically practically, also worried, thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I fall on this and break my knee? Or <laughs> And um, the really beautiful thing is that all of the, some of the kids in the neighborhood were like following me because like, who's this crazy dad? What's he doing? I know all these kids, but still they, you know, it was probably an odd moment for them, but they, they captured that moment. They saw me passionate about something. And while I can't draw a line from A to B, I can tell you that eight girls in my neighborhood now skateboard. Each of us as a passionate could be baking, 
It could be knitting, it could be gaming, it could be playing the guitar. Like we have passions and I think it's important for us to share those passions out loud and out front of young people because they absorb maybe not just what it is that the thing that we're doing, they notice and absorb the joy of learning itself. And so those, Michelle, are two very practical, concrete ways that the learning sciences come to bear in our lives every day in an everyday mentoring type of way. That was great. I love the skateboard story. We talk about a lot in mentoring, like the importance of igniting sparks in young people, right? And and like you said, being able to live out our passions to help create those sparks for for young people. And this, um, you've said that so beautifully, and this is what Margaret McFarlane understood so well. There's a moment when she worked at the Arsenal Family Center here in Pittsburgh and famous sculptor had come to to the center. And I think most of us probably would have said like, ooh, talk about your your sculptural work, talk about um, your techniques. What Margaret McFarlane advised him was just love the clay in front of the kids. That's Mm -hmm. what I want you to do. And it was, you know, that's a different framing and a different instruction because she understood, I just want the kids to absorb you loving what you do and providing a moment that might spark something for them. It's making a lot of connections for me. What in the beginning you talked about remake learning focuses a lot on justice and putting the joy like back in learning and like valuing all types of learning and encouraging children to express themselves and also take up space. So often, especially in learning places, children are taught to make themselves small Mm -hmm. and not ask questions um, or to be quiet. Yeah, just letting them take up that space and be their whole selves. What a great Fred Rogers sensibility you just expressed. As caring adults, we look forward to opportunities to share our wisdom of learned experiences with young people. The Mentoring Partnership is here to support those efforts and encourage ways for you to be more intentional in those natural mentoring opportunities by offering our everyday mentoring training to groups of individuals of 10 or more. To learn more about our everyday mentoring training, please contact the Mentoring Partnership at 412 281 2535 or by emailing us at info at mentoring You know, each of us needs to recognize the great learning, those great moments that are already around us, right? We talk about building a learning atmosphere. We talk about building a learning mm-hmm. ecosystem, but the ecosystem is already there. The assets and the people and the joy is already there. So it's incumbent upon us to recognize that it's already there, to notice it and to listen. And then to go back to this idea of deliberate design, when we think about justice, and this is work that I will acknowledge, I'm I'm hopeful I'm getting better about every day, every month, every year. As we think about celebrating our learners and igniting their interests, we need to be deliberate about whose interests we're igniting and how we're doing that and how we're supporting that. It's why in the course of, of Remake Learning, we try not to talk about just diversity, equity, access, and inclusion, as important that, as that is, but to specifically name a commitment to learners of color, learners in poverty, girls in STEM, learners with disabilities, and our rural learners. And in that context, we've, we have to talk about rural joy, We have to talk about black joy. We have to talk about joy in STEM learning for girls. And when I think about that work, it goes straight back to the deep listening that we each need to do 
and the work that we each need to do to notice what it is that's already happening around us and how we elevate and accelerate that given the place where we are and meet the young people, Michelle, as you said, where they are and where they wanna be and how we can help them bump into the next thing. If we are going to be genuine and authentic in our work and seriously achieve lasting and impactful results, then we need to go about our work differently. And we really need to wrestle what justice learning means in the context of what it is that we wanna support for our young people and how we seriously address experience gaps, but do so mindful of the great assets and experiences that are already present in kids' lives and the wisdom that's already present in, in themselves and in their communities and, and find ways to elevate and uplift that work. That's one of the things I think about everyday mentoring that somewhat differs from formal mentoring because this notion of like you have a, a formal mentoring program that comes in and you have individuals that volunteer that sometimes it's volunteering to think that they may fix a community or, or fix a young person where when you recognize the importance of like these organic everyday mentoring relationships, it is recognizing relationships that do already exist in the home, on the block, in school that are organically happening. Formal mentoring is great because then, yes, you might have somebody that you're matched with that you can rely on every Thursday, but Sometimes we fail to recognize the richness in communities and in relationships that already exist. So I love that you bring that up. Like it, it, it's not that it's absent, <laughs> it's how do we make space for and respect and shed light on that while expanding opportunities, right? There's wisdom in the life experiences and in the households and neighborhoods and communities all around us. And how do we help to unveil that wisdom in beautiful ways, not only for the learners in those communities, but for all of us. So I want to give you one last moment because we talked a lot about the book, When You Wonder You're Learning, to please let listeners know where they can get a copy of the book. So this book that I co-authored with Ryan Rodzeski called When You Wonder You're Learning is available to you at local bookstores, at Walmart, Target, Amazon.com, wherever it is that you go to find great books or on your um, tablet device. And ideally you find in the book some refueling as we think about our post-pandemics future and the things that we can do in those informal and formal learning spaces for kids and in the kids in our care in our own lives, whether that's um, as a professional, as a parent, as an aunt or uncle, and certainly as a mentor, um, the things that we can do to support our collective work of raising creative, curious, caring kids. And I would say you can go to www.whenyouwonder.org um, for more information. And thanks for that opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon and chatting with us and sharing information with our listeners. It's been wonderful. We love being a part of the collaborative um, and we just appreciate all that you do, Greg. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Ashley. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. National Mentoring Month is all about recognizing the incredible mentoring that's happening around us, as well as growing the movement and raising awareness about the power of relationships. Just imagine a world where young people feel empowered, encouraged, and understood. 
that's what mentoring does. Mentors can make that world a reality by helping young people find and follow their passions, excel in school, and thrive wherever they are. As we go into the final days of National Mentoring Month, reflect on your own mentoring experiences and take some time to learn about the mentoring efforts happening in your community. And to help you stay inspired, here's a clip from Mentor about how mentoring amplifies. You can watch the full video at www.mentoring.org. What if we all decided to turn up our impact? What if you could make a difference in someone's life while enriching your own? What if all it took was saying yes? It's not about being a perfect role model. It's about showing up. Your effort, your time, it means more than you know. Seemingly ordinary moments together evolve into something extraordinary. Mentoring amplifies change, one relationship at a time. Seeing the world through each other's eyes, two hearts open and two lives are changed forever. Join the mentoring movement. Together, we can expand opportunity and transform perspectives. So let's raise our voices to amplify possibility, connections, exploration, joy, community, and change. Because together, we can make the world a place of opportunity for all. Are you ready? Thanks for joining us for this special episode of Mentor Chat. We look forward to talking with you more in Season 3. Give us a rating and make sure to subscribe so you get all of the episodes. Mentor Chat is written, produced, and hosted by Michelle Thomas and Ashley Wineland with the Mentoring Partnership of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin MacLeod. Special thank yous to Kristen Allen and the Mentoring Partnership team. Thank you to Greg Bear. For more information about us, mentoring, and our guest interviews, take a look at this episode's show notes and visit the Mentoring Partnership's website at www.mentoring.com.